Welcome to the Living in Desire podcast. I'm Natalie, your host and relationship coach over at Natalie Christina Coaching. I am on a mission to normalize conversations around sex, God, and the interplay in between so that you, my friend, can begin to show up fully present for romantic partnership and live a life of absolute desire. Before we dive into today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And as you listen, screenshot any moments that super resonate for you. Share to your social media and tag at Living in Desire Podcast. I always love to hear what is clicking for you so that I can make sure to bring out the best content for what you are navigating right now. So without further ado, let's dive in. Setting the stage for today's conversation, I want to first really just dive into sort of some grounding, guiding questions to get us thinking about the topic at hand and, and really thinking about how it comes up for us in our day-to-day lives or if it has and, and what that felt like. And so if you have perhaps been listening since the early days of this podcast, you know that I have talked a couple of times on what is desire and using desire as a state of being and and something that guides our actions. And so I want to just start by asking you to think about the last time that you had a desire come through to you so crisp and clear that you knew in your core it was exactly what you wanted, what you needed and it was the time to ask for it. And now that could be a more explicit ask of a partner. It could be an ask in terms of taking the action to get the thing. So maybe it's, I really desire ice cream and you're gonna go to the store um, to buy ice cream. And I'll, I'll add a little caveat just due to the current, at least while I'm recording this social distancing times, doing so with a mask and all the safety precautions to really support and hold space for the voices and the needs of the most vulnerable of our society. Um, And maybe you did, maybe you went and you bought the ice cream. I don't know. So thinking about that, the last really crisp, clear desire that came to the forefront for you. And then maybe you did decide to ask for it in whatever way that was. And let's now turn the focus to an ask of a partner, since what we really focus on here is romantic partnership. It's kind of my jam. And you prepared to ask and you anchored in that desire and you went to open your mouth and suddenly you froze and maybe you felt your throat and your jaw start to clench up and that tension moved its way down to your chest and it felt as though the air just froze in your lungs and you were stuck. And then all of a sudden the thoughts just started racing of, well, what if this isn't really what I want? What if they don't feel the same way and I get rejected, I get shut down, I'm judged for what I desired. Well, maybe I don't really need this. I can be okay without it. And you shut it down. You suppress that desire. You push it under the surface because that fear, really, that fear of rejection, fear of being inferior, fear of the unknown. So really that loss of a sense of control over this situation comes to the forefront and that desire, that truth gets pushed aside. And so I often actually do talk about um, truth and fear as being opposites of one another. And and chances are I'm not the only person that does, that's fine. Um, But when we look at that, it's when truth goes away, fear comes to the surface. And so that's an opportunity to look at that fear and figure out what is it guiding us towards or what is it pulling us away from? And there absolutely is 
that more survival-based fear that might come up. You know, if a, I don't know, bear is chasing you or something, there's certain ways you're supposed to act to preserve your life, and you do. Hopefully, you do. There are also the fears that protect us. Maybe they support us by keeping us feeling safe, secure, a part of. However, they really are also taking us away from truth, taking us away from our genuine purpose, or in this case, our desire. They're pulling us away from showing up for ourselves with confidence and authentically so we can bring our full self forward into any situation with an interlocutor, with a partner. And so that is what we're going to be looking at today on the topic of neediness, really, which is funny. It's not a word that I typically use. And I think through this conversation, you will figure out why. Um, As you know, with me, I really like the semantic differentiation. And so we are absolutely going to dive into that. But I do think that at the surface level, that thought of what if my partner doesn't feel the same way? What if they disagree? What if they don't like that I'm asking this might guide us or sorry, might kind of hark to that other outcome where they say, oh, you're so needy. Oh, you're so demanding. Why can't you just let it go? Those kinds of comments. So in order to really dissect this conversation, I'm going to differentiate between two types of needs, we'll say. Um, Caveat, this is me defining these for the purposes of this talk. This isn't like something I have referenced from some textbook that's like the be-all, end-all way of denotating these things. Um, Just for the purposes of our talk today, please accept my definitions and we'll roll with it. And it is also not to say that there aren't other kinds of needs or perhaps like sub-needs of these higher category needs. Um, Probably, yes, they might actually come up while I'm talking. I don't really know. This is unscripted. But for right now, let's acknowledge two types of needs. So the first one that I want to dive into or kind of define for our chat today is needs for self. And so typically these are the kinds of needs that we can fulfill for ourselves. Maybe it doesn't seem that way at the surface, and we'll dive into that in a bit. Or there's something that a partner could fulfill for us. So if we go back to that baseline, ooh, I really desire or I need ice cream right now. You might say, when do you ever need ice cream? I'm not here to argue that because I fucking love ice cream. So yeah, it's okay if it's a need and it's a genuine desire and you want it and you're going to go get it. No judgments here. I have two tubs of gelato in my freezer. I am very excited for them. So maybe you have that desire. And... Maybe you ask your partner to go get it for you. Cool. Also though, (laughs) cool, (laughs) pun not intended, but it made me happy. Also recognizing that that need for ice cream, we'll reframe as desire for ice cream, is something that you could satisfy for yourself or a friend could have done it for you. You could online order groceries if you have the means to do so. There are different ways to have it be fulfilled. Um, If you want to get a little more explicit because... Hey, oh, you know, I like to. Orgasm. Climax, we'll say. If you have a need for climax, a desire for climax, yeah, your partner, maybe, can satisfy that for you. You also fully deserve to be able to satisfy that for yourself, and you can. So that is a need for self. The other kinds of needs, and I believe that these are often the ones that 
generate a response of us being needy or demanding or codependent even um, are what I'm going to call needs of our partner. And so these might come through as um, a, a restriction or a kind of framework placed on their behavior so that we can feel a certain way. And so in that sense, it often is coming from, like we said, insecurities, but also perhaps from a place of needing to control. So when we talked earlier about that fear of being inferior, and I mentioned that fear of losing control, that's really what in my mind, at least often, not always, that comes back to. Um, And granted, there's so many sub conversations we can be having right now. Um, granted, there might be underlying circumstances. There might be a history of trauma, a history of abandonment, of cheating, of, of these different things that definitely deserve to be recognized. And are we are not saying that those things are on you, right? It's recognizing, okay, there's this history and in this moment, what is the motivation of my action and is it honest? And so one part, yes, if there's a history of trauma, abandonment and those things, acknowledge that. We deserve to have that acknowledged. So I am in no way here to tell you that you do not deserve to have that acknowledged and to have support to work through that and to be seen and to be heard because you absolutely do. And you deserve to feel peaceful moving forward. And you and your partner deserve to now, in the present moment, meet each other in the middle on kind of an equal playing field and to both feel supported and nourished as you move forward. And so these needs of our partner, it's something we need of them. It's not for us, right? And so these are the things where we try to control their behavior. So maybe we're feeling very insecure in our relationship. And I'll say control, it could be a little bit less obvious. I'll use an obvious example. We're feeling insecure. And so our response is to say to them, I'm feeling really anxious about this. I'm feeling really insecure. I need you to stop messaging any female friends right now because I just can't handle it. Okay, so the thing about these, and we're gonna dive into these ones first and then bring it back around to the needs for self. The thing about needs this way that I find is it's a little bit counterintuitive and this comes up a lot in the work I do, especially with curing anxious attachment is really any restriction I place on my partner's behavior sets an expectation of how they're going to act. And often I find as someone who definitely defaults to anxious attachment, which is why I'm a huge proponent of moving forward into secure. And I do fully believe that that can happen. It doesn't mean that that default narrative isn't still there. It just means that we have the tools to acknowledge it and move forward and establish that sense of security for ourselves. So in that moment where I place a restriction on their behavior, it's something else for me to have to think about. It's something else for me to have to micromanage and worry about and control. (laughs) So in saying don't speak to women, what likely will come up is a constant worry that they are not following that rule. And so it really doesn't support my well-being. And a lot of the times it is. It's controlling someone else's behavior to 
in a sense, step away from reflecting on the work for myself. And it's okay if you are not at a point of being ready to reflect on that work. I am absolutely not here to put pressure on that. I think right now it's just about acknowledging that in those moments, sometimes that default reaction we have that might feel reasonable is actually setting an expectation that further promotes our own anxieties, insecurities, fears, and really unrest around the situation. It's not meeting ourselves where we need to, and it's not meeting our partner where we where we really need to, to promote kind of a more symbiotic nurturing relationship. So just something to think about. I feel like once again, that could be a whole other conversation and that's okay. It likely will be at some point. God knows I need material for this thing. So the other thing that that brings up is really this notion of our partner being our everything and anything. And so I feel a lot of times in trying to satisfy these needs of our partner, um, it's a it's a kind of framing of the situation in a way that puts it on them to fix it. And it puts everything on them to fix it. And the analogy that I often use is compare compare this to um, a bigger a bigger office environment, you know, a bigger company, maybe 300 plus employees. There's different departments. And yeah, some people can cross over from one department to the other. So, uh, you know, someone who works in the administration department might also be able to work on a projects team for something new that the company is rolling out. Someone who works in client services, um, they might have past doing more basic client administration and they can step in and fill that position if they need to. Different things like that. However, you very likely would not see one person stepping into every single role of that company successfully. And if they did step into every single role of that company, would it really promote the overall well-being of the company as a whole if we look at it more on like the macro level? Very likely not. So similarly, if we dial that back to our romantic partner, why then would we expect our romantic partner to satisfy every single one of our needs? We are legitimately asking them to wear every single hat within that corporation that is our life and our relationship spectrum. It does not make sense, right? Um, Example being, I have some things from childhood I need to work through. My brother might have been there to experience them with me. He knows firsthand what happened. My partner is not going to necessarily be able to relate on that. I might love going to get my nails done. My partner doesn't. I have a friend do that. These are some very obvious examples, but I'm using them as a way to really highlight where probably already your partner doesn't fulfill all of your needs. And granted, there might be some non-negotiables within partnership that you feel I need a partner who does satisfy these ones. That's okay. We'll talk about that in a second. And it's a chance to check in when setting some sort of a restriction on behavior or an expectation that maybe comes across as well-intentioned. But when we really sit back and look at it, is this setting an expectation that in some way creates judgment or control on their behavior? And is it Is it really promoting my well-being and my grounding and my peace or is it causing more anxiety? Is it causing more of a need to try to control something that really I can't? To kind of take a look at that and think, okay, so is this something that maybe I can go elsewhere to have satisfied? Is this something pointing back at the work for me to do versus reaching out to my partner to try to fix it? What's coming up for me there? So just something for you to reflect on if some of those 
needs of partner are coming up in your relationship. So now let's loop back to the ones at hand because those needs of partner absolutely can lead to the needy, the you're so controlling, why can't you just get over it? Those kinds of comments and conflict. And I think, you know, it makes sense after the conversation we just had, which was kind of one-sided because I'm really talking at you. But with that, you're here engaging and it's that space between us that creates the meaning here. And so whatever it brings up for you, like, yes, reflect on it, um, go with it. And it's just something to kind of think about. What I want to bring it back to is the needs for self which I typically would say are more of the genuine needs that are not based in fears. So these might be something more like, I mean, if we want to go back to what we talked about, need for orgasm, need for turn on, need for feeling sexually fulfilled, right? Um, And granted, yeah, this might be a conversation to have about a partner's behaviors. It's also a need that we can fulfill for ourselves in some way. So when we're looking at these needs for self and really stepping into a place where we can articulate these needs with confidence, without expectation, in a grounded, compassionate way, I think there's a couple primary points to really touch on first. One being what core value, what personal value is this need grounded in? And so I find it really helpful to get in touch with how our values drive our needs and drive our desires or motivate our desires moment to moment. And in particular, how they motivate our non-negotiable needs or desires. So the things that we want to have fulfilled. So absolutely that need to feel sexually satisfied could be one of those that desire for a nice home cooked meal on a Friday night could be one as well. And what is driving those? So maybe it is just a very honest value that physical connection in romantic partnership is necessary for you. Maybe it goes even more to a baseline of that saying that a physical connection with yourself, your body, your feminine is important to you. And there is opportunity to explore that with a partner and also with yourself. Maybe in terms of that meal on a Friday night, it's a value for solitude, a value of nourishing your body in the way that it is telling you to and being able to respond to that. It could be a value of community. There's so many things it could come down to. And what I like to do with looking at those values is to get out that whole list and really just nail it down to three. And those are the three that I kind of fall back on in the different situations that I'm navigating. And so that can be a great place to start is to pick out your core three values. So when we're looking at this need that we are potentially articulating to ourselves, to a partner, whatever it might be, what value is it grounded in? And then from there, by really rooting in that value, we also are able to divorce the validity of our need from our partner's response, right? So When we do articulate this, it's not about how they respond and how they're able to opt in. And when I say that, I don't mean disregard their level of consent. That is definitely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if we really root in our core value and establish that anchor 
as we move forward to express this desire, to ask for what we need to fulfill that desire, it's not about them. It's not about them fulfilling it for us. It's not a need of our partner. It's a genuine need for self. And we have options. And we can sit in that desire confidently, knowing fully why we are showing up for it, not in a way that is contingent on their response. And so I think that really comes back to what we might often hear people talk about of like worthiness. I I like to use the word conviction. It's about that deep sense of knowing, an unwavering knowing as we move forward. And it's not to say we won't be hurt or upset if our partner doesn't feel the same way. We absolutely might be because that's often part of getting vulnerable and navigating these asks in romantic partnership is there's more than one person. There's more than one person with nuances and needs and their own set of core values. And we kind of figure out how, when, if to bridge that gap and meet each other in doing so. And so I guess that kind of brings us to the next question of, well, what if they say no? And I think that was part of that initial narrative we ran through of the like racing thoughts that then come that can come up when we think about articulating our need to our partner in terms of, will they think I'm needy? Will they think I'm demanding? Well, what if they say no, right? So the first step is core values, divorce the validity of your need from their response, and then make a game plan. So what if they do say no, then what? Are there other relationships currently that do fulfill this need? Or could there be? How can you fulfill it for yourself? And this may be in a different way than you would have with a partner, but likely it is still possible in some capacity. And you get to get creative at this point and really figure out those possibilities. And I think especially when we are new to the game of navigating these conversations, having that game plan first can be really, really helpful in supporting ourselves as we move forward to make the ask. Because if I have a, not a fallback plan, but an alternative option to get what I need to feel fulfilled, it won't maybe feel so devastating if my partner says no. If I'm anchored in my core values, I won't feel so hurt if my partner says that's not for me. And so really showing up for that on our side of the street, anchoring in our own personal belief system, your BS (laughs) and your values so we can move forward. And then the other thing to consider, like I've kind of been alluding to is, is this something non-negotiable? Is this something you must have right now all the time from your partner? Is this a desire for something in the future that you would like if perhaps say it's not something that you can do on your own? Is this something that you're okay with if it wavers, depending where your partner is at on their own mental, mental, emotional, spiritual journey? You get to figure that out. And so even a baseline communication expectation could be a really great example. Um, you might have a baseline agreement to set aside time to communicate with your partner every Tuesday for an hour. And anything on top of that is a bonus but you do intend to message each other at least good morning and good night every day. This may be drawing from my own experience, just saying. It also might be that you get to a point where, you know, maybe your partner is going through a depressed phase or your work takes you out of country and the time change makes this really difficult to navigate. Then what? Is this still something that you need to have 
every single day consistently as you have been? Or is it something that you can be a little bit more fluid on? And maybe there's some other thing you can do for each other that helps fulfill whatever kind of security that was giving to both of you, whatever connection it was giving to both of you, and you get to navigate that conversation. And so really at that point, it brings up the sense of a conversation being an open dialogue. And I think this is often something that gets maybe overlooked, we'll say, when navigating these things, because a lot of the messaging out there, that I see at least, is very all or nothing. It's very, well, if your partner can't meet your baseline communication needs, then get the fuck out. Like, what are you doing? That's not standing in your worth. Well, to be very blunt about it, I call bullshit because at least I believe, you know, part of journey in partnership in any romantic relationship is allowing our partner space for their own independent journey. My partner is not going to be able to show up for me a hundred percent all the time because they're dealing with their own shit. And so it more becomes about how do we navigate when these needs aren't being met, when we maybe feel like our connection isn't being made a priority, or when it's not being made a priority, how can we be okay with that? And for how long can we be okay with that? And in what way? And so it really becomes an open dialogue. And I think in doing so, it becomes a really safe space to be able from both sides to voice any fears, anything we're working on, anything that's coming up for us in our individual journey, and to not have that worry that it will automatically negatively impact our relationship. So it creates a container and it creates an environment where together we get to navigate and articulate what those different things, what connection, what turn on, what supportive mean for us as we move forward together and navigate together. And sometimes the most supportive thing that I need from my partner is to be able to say, hey, I don't have capacity for texting right now. I need to put my phone down for the rest of the night. And he can be okay with that. And that's not every day. If that were every day, that might be a bigger conversation. But can that be okay when it varies from our usual baseline communication standards? So as always, it seems this conversation has brought us back to one of my absolute favorite little, not necessarily mantras, but kind of a daily reminder of how I like to navigate any relationship, be it with myself, with a partner, with another professional, with my clients, which is meeting each other in the middle and really figuring out what that looks like moment to moment and allowing it to ebb and flow. And so I hope today's episode has given you a little bit of guidance, a bit of a platform from which you can go forward and really feel confident anchoring in and expressing your desires and also knowing that they can ultimately be fulfilled, especially when they are a genuine, honest need for yourself. So thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of the Living in Desire podcast. Super appreciate you joining me today as always. And if you are feeling the pull, I would also greatly, greatly appreciate if you left a rating and review on whatever your favorite platform is. And don't forget to share to your stories on Instagram, tag at living in desire podcast. And of course, feel free to send me any messages of future topics you would like covered, any questions, considerations, all that jazz. So 
Thanks again, all you lovely folks. Until next time, I'm your host, Natalie of Natalie Christina Coaching, wishing you the absolute most desire-filled day.